Hello, this is the Contractor Coffee Club podcast presented by EGIA, and I'm your host, Mark Madison. This podcast is hosted on EGI.org slash podcast, where you can also find links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, along with an archive of all previous episodes, a submission form for our listener Q&A, and the link to take the latest EGI snapshot survey. In today's episode, we have the privilege of interviewing one Mr. Bruce Madelich. Bruce, what is your title at EGIA? I'm the uh, CEO and Executive Director at EGIA, the trade association, and I'm the CEO and chairman of the EGIA Foundation. Now, you've been in the industry a long time. How did you get started? Well, I uh, spent many, many years at at PG&E, running PG&E's energy efficiency load management programs, and was affiliated with EGIA way back in the early 90s. I was on the board of directors of EGIA. Uh, And then uh, in around the late 90s, early 2000, left uh, PG&E and and became the the CEO here at uh, EGIA. So I've been involved with the contracting industry and the energy-related industry for, you know, 35-odd years. So like Mary Tyler Moore, you're going to make it after all. Hopefully. Yeah, throw your hat in the air, cue the music. That's great. What are your responsibilities from day to day? Really just to set the vision and the direction for the organization and empower our team here to uh, to get it done, really kind of get out of their way, to you know work with the industry and uh, set the foundation for how EGIA will contribute to the really the development and growth of the contracting industry and the home services industry in general. And because EGI is nonprofit, how does how is that different than other and other groups? Well, we really focus on uh, you know one always obviously always doing the right thing. We're not profit driven, so we're really focused on providing maximum value to our members and and to the to the industry. You know, if we make a dollar of profit, you know, I'm I'm happy with that because we put all of our uh, really excess cash flow back into the organization and back into new programs and services that hopefully support our members and enhance the industry. Right, which is a big shift from the other the other groups. So I know one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was something I know is close to your heart, and it's the foundation. Uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Sure. You know, at the highest level, the EGA Foundation is a nationwide 501c3 nonprofit public benefit charitable organization that we formed late last year to address one of the most serious threats we see facing the HVAC industry, and that being the growing labor shortage. Right. So, to kind of give you a little bit more of the backstory around uh, what drove the establishment of the foundation. You know, Mark, I know that you know that EGIA, through our trade association, frequently surveys our membership to try to better understand the issues driving uh, their business and so forth. Right. And time and again, the number one issue 
that comes up is the uh, recruitment and retention of qualified employees. In fact, uh, the latest survey we did, 75 to 80% of our members, when asked, indicated that recruitment and retention of employees uh, was their number one concern. Irrespective of their size or their profitability or their geography. That's right. You know, they, they know that it's, uh, it's throttling their ability to grow their, their company. They're worried that they're not going to be able to support their, their customers and, and really fulfill their full potential as a, as a company because they can't grow fast enough. They can't acquire and retain uh, the, the quality of employees that they need to, to really succeed long term. And for the ones that really know how to sell, they have to put the brakes on the sales just to make sure that operations and the hiring can catch up. That's right. So what exactly is the foundation doing? Well, we're doing, we're doing a lot of things, um, really. So to, to address the labor shortage, you first have to understand it, right? So not just the, the symptoms of, of the problem, but the systemic issues causing the problem. So one of the first things that, that we did last year or earlier this year is uh, commissioned a major industry research study uh, that we're calling, you know, bridging the HVAC employment gap to really uh, help define the challenge that exists within the industry and better understand it so that we can develop kind of a roadmap and a set of, of activities to, to address the problem. Uh, and then we also launched our first scholarship program, which uh, uh, focused on students pursuing a, a career in HVAC. And then this this next year, uh, what we're planning on doing is leveraging what we learned through the research and kick off a couple of new initiatives driven by that. You know, first of all, we're going to launch a public awareness campaign that uh, we hope will help position HVAC as a first choice career option. Uh, and develop a, what we're calling right now a career hub that will connect uh, job applicants uh, with contractors and vice versa. And then uh, finally, we'll continue and expand upon our, our scholarship program that we, that we also kicked in gear this past year. So the music's playing and you're going to write a hit song. Well, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of need. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the scholarship program. How does that work? Well, the scholarship program, you know, was established really to recognize excellent, deserving students that are seeking a, a career in HVAC technical information. So through the program each year, a minimum of 20 eligible students are awarded uh, $2,500 scholarships to pursue an HVAC degree or a diploma or a certificate at a accredited community college, technical, vocational, school, or other approved uh, technical institute. Uh, so that program is is up and going. We awarded uh, 20 scholarships this past year. We had a little over 200, I think 220 applicants for those, those 20 awards. The applications came in from, I think, about 35 states around the, the country. This year, we hope to expand upon that, and uh, we'll be opening up online application submittal portal around that on January 1st for the 2019 year. 
Now, can you tip your cards a little bit and tell us more about bridging the HVAC employment gap? Can you give us more detail? Well, let me let me kind of I think give you some facts and figures because okay. we all we all know that there's a problem, but as we began to dig into this, it's a it's a larger issue than than we even thought. So I know that almost everyone recognizes that that there is a, there is an employment gap. There's this uh, void between jobs that are waiting to be filled and qualified candidates to uh, to fill them. So let me give you some of the some of the stats that came out of the research and some of the secondary research because I think sure. to a degree they're they're kind of startling. By 2020. Uh, it's estimated that 25% of the current workforce will be of retirement age. The industry is going to see a 15% growth in the number of jobs created over this period in order to meet just the, the basic growth demand in, in the industry. Put that into perspective, 15% growth is double the national growth rate for really all of uh, all occupations, which sets at seven percent right now, and ten thousand employees in the current workforce are expected to retire each and every year over the next um, three to five years. Aging and boomers, yeah. Aging boomers. So it's an aging. It's a it's a rapid growth uh, market, but it's also an aging workforce without an adequate pipeline of fresh blood and new applicants coming into it. And some some estimate that uh, 100, 115,000 HVAC workers are going to be needed by the year 2022, I believe. So roughly 39,000 new workers are needed each and every year just to keep up with demand. So that's right. a, a huge, huge issue. Another thing, you know, we talked about the aging workforce. The average age within the HVAC industry right now is 40.2 years and aging fast. Uh, and another thing that is really, uh, from from a number standpoint, contributing to the to the the issue is obviously this is a very male dominated industry right now. Right. Women comprise uh, roughly 57 percent of the total workforce in the U.S. for all other occupations, yet make up less than 1.7 percent of the HVAC workforce. Wow. That's pretty pretty startling. I mean, something has to be done about that because we're really narrowing the the opportunity unless the industry can become more compelling for women to uh, to enter it. That's kind of the size of the opportunity or that's the gap that exists. But what makes that gap even more difficult to fill is that, that we found that there is just this incredible lack of perception and understanding about the industry and a lack of trade guidance and educational opportunities in secondary education today. Few career counselors talk about jobs and opportunities in the trades. They're all focused or mostly focused on a four-year college degree. You know, 53% of secondary schools are not introducing or promoting trade careers in any way. Which another is interesting. Yeah, another interesting stat is roughly one student out of ten has plans to attend a technical or vocational school. Almost everyone else thinks their future lies 
in going to college. And we know that for many, college is like trying to put a square peg into a round hole. So, you know, just really a lack, lack of understanding of what the real opportunities are for a career in, in HVAC and very few people guiding students towards that. Well, like you, Bruce, I played a little basketball in college, and I had a panic attack in 1976 because I realized that I didn't have a skill. I didn't there, I didn't really know. I was going to graduate from college and not be able to find a, a job, so I called my uncle in Ohio, who's an industrial arts teacher, and I said, what's the future? You know, and if I had to learn a trade, which, which one industry would you choose? And he didn't hesitate. He said refrigeration and air conditioning. A little bit like that, that scene from The Graduate where Dustin Hoffman's uncle says, plastics. Right. So my uncle said refrigeration. And it's still all these years later of all the trades, not only is it, in my personal opinion, the most challenging and represents intellectually things that you have to learn that plumbers or carpenters simply don't have to learn or even electricians for that matter. And I don't want to alienate anybody, but I my personal experience as a technician was there's so much to learn. And it's such an exciting still all these years later, still an exciting field. You know, even beyond that, it's, you know, think about it. I think you probably have heard me say this before, Mark, that uh, careers in the HVAC industry are literally available in every community in the country. And every community in the country, the, the HVAC contractors servicing that are facing the same labor gap that, that we're, we're talking about here. So you have jobs that are in high demand virtually everywhere in the, in the country. These are jobs that are never going to get outsourced or right. never going to get offset by automation. And young adults going into those jobs don't need to go into those jobs saddled with student loan debt as if they were coming out of college with a sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars in in student debt. And there's right. tremendous career growth opportunities within the industry based on individual, you know, aptitude and motivation all the way up to growing and owning your own business. And there's not very many industries in the country that avail that level of of uh, of flexibility and, and availability. I know a young man, he's 20 years old, he's been a technician for four years, is buying his first house. How many 20-year-olds can say that? And he started working in the, in the trade while he was still in high school. And so I, I agree with everything you said. It's yeah, I saw, I saw a statistic the other day that, that the, the entry-level salary for a, a first-time technician is somewhere in the forty to $45,000 a year range with obviously a great upside from that. And the average graduate coming out of a four-year university, their starting job actually is lower than that. Right. Yeah, I was shocked to find out that a manager at Starbucks makes $35,000 a year and works 60 hours a week. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. And most of them have degrees. Yeah, this is a great great industry. It's certainly, certainly been good to me. How can companies partner with the foundation? Well, a lot of different ways. You can help us, you know, build a coalition and participate in various committees and so forth that, that we have. We really want the input from the industry to help uh, help guide us to make sure that that we're you know we're we're doing the things that are having the most impact. So we have an advisory committee which informs our board and 
is active in the development of this awareness campaign that we're we're beginning to to work on. We have Workforce Development Committee, which is really a think tank for initiatives that we're considering. You know, kind of what next for uh, for for the foundation. And you know, of course, we have a lot of fundraising needs as well to help fund our our programs, our scholarships, research, PR campaigns, and and the like. So uh, we really welcome partnerships and contributions of all kinds, whether they're financial, advisory, or or, or what have you. I mean, we're, we're we're looking for as much engagement as we we can. We're trying to come up with solutions that really support the industry and getting that feedback from the industry to to help guide us is is very valuable. It's really a call to arms, isn't it, for our industry? It, it really is. This is a big deal, and it's not going away. It's only going to get worse. We've got to dig a well before we're thirsty. That's right. And there's a lot of industry initiatives that are out there kind of in this space or kind of addressing this need. And, and I think what, what's unique about the EGI Foundation is we're kind of going a little more up the food chain and focused on really creating careers in in the HVAC field as the first choice career, not a second or third attempt at a career, and really educating the educators as well as students and parents of that secondary school level student and giving them and help giving them or showing them a path to a career in HVAC as their first focus, not something that they fall into down the road. Yeah, it's not a postscript of the letter. It is the letter. Right. So what else do contractors need to know? For example, uh, uh, getting a copy of the report. Okay, so the the report that we did, Bridging the HVAC Gap, is available online at egiafoundation.org slash report. Anyone can go there and download a free copy of that. And I really encourage everyone to do that. There's really some very fascinating information there and a set of uh, strategies that we'll be uh, trying to implement to address the opportunity. Also, you can go to the to the website and learn more about the scholarship program, uh, what the eligibility criteria is and so forth. And again, that's going to be open for applications on uh, January 1st. So that's, again, egiafoundation.org. That would be slash scholarship. And I encourage your listeners, Mark, to uh, to talk it up. I mean, our, right. uh, our, our members, contractors, kids are eligible for this. Anyone else in, in out there that is interested in learning more and pursuing a career in HVAC should, should apply. Unassertive salespeople have skinny kids, right? You got to ask. You got to ask. Got to reach out. What adv- you've been in this industry a long time. You've seen a lot of things. What advice would you offer contractors? If you had to say, you know, here's two or three things that I think are really important if you're going to be successful in this industry. And from a 30,000-foot view, what, would you, uh, what advice would you offer? Do you mean in this particular area or life in general? Well, just overall. Overall, I think get engaged always be seeking out uh, best practices and learning from one another the uh, the industry continues to evolve so ongoing education and training which is a lot of what what EGI does i think is is essential 
an absolute commitment to quality of service and commitment to delivering high quality customer service, being able to really understand the the opportunities that exist with your with your customers and be able to craft um, solutions that truly meet those those needs in a professional and and uh, efficient way. Yeah, you know, I, I think really those are the kinds of things that position contractors as leaders in their industry. And uh, those leaders are going to be the ones that, that are going to survive and thrive. What legacy would you like to leave? That we made a difference, that, that we, uh, and that we're, we're viewed as partners sitting on the same table, side of the table with, with our members and our, our contractors and truly focused on providing them with the tools, the knowledge, you know, the products, services, programs, and so forth that help them grow their business and, and create a sustainable, profitable business. So the legacy that I personally want to leave and I know that EGI wants to leave is that we really made a difference in contractors' lives and gave them the tools that enabled them to thrive. One of the things that I say in seminars and keynotes is, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're not my real clients. My real clients are your children and grandchildren. And I think you're really saying the same thing. You mentioned training, going the extra mile, finding a need and filling it and making a difference in the industry by giving tools and knowledge to, to grow their business. That's as much for children and grandchildren of the, the current owners as it is the owners right now. That's right. It's an interesting and way to have, look at things. Yeah, we have we have a lot of great companies that that we we work with, and we also have a lot of small smaller companies that over the years we've really helped to grow and prosper, and and that's really very very gratifying. Right. When somebody comes up to you and says, "I tried this and it worked, and it's made a huge difference," it's it's, it's really you really in a very real sense, Bruce. You're like me. I think you're a teacher and a coach. You know, you just just doing it at a higher level. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I, and and I, I think that we've also surround ourselves with a lot of great people. I mean, the EGI contractor faculty is top of the industry with people like, like yourself, Mark, and Weldon Long, Gary Ellix, Drew Cameron, and, and a host of others, you know, the, really the champions in this industry from a consulting, training, business management standpoint, we've surrounded ourselves with you guys. And together, we're, we're able, I think, to provide our members in the industry with insight and experience and processes and tools that, that are unique and really help them avoid a lot of the pitfalls that probably all of us stepped into on, on our way through this process. Well, to, to not overuse a basketball metaphor, and I've been on losing teams and I've been in winning teams, and there's nothing like winning. There's nothing like being on a team full of really unselfish guys who move the ball and play defense and are committed to you know winning the day. And I think that's what you've done. You're a little bit like Greg Popovich. You just, you find great players from all over the place and you find a way to win. That's right. Yeah. You know, and we have a bunch of people that are really dedicated to the same cause. And, uh, uh, and when you have a team like that, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty gratifying. It's a, it's a great feeling. Well, what, what would you add in closing? Number one, I really appreciate how, how busy you are and you've taken the time to talk with us today. But your closing thoughts, parting comments. Well, I, I think, you know, one one thing that was really, really interesting, we had a, a conference 
I guess about about a little over a month ago, we called it Epic 2018, and you were there in Las Vegas. It's our big annual conference. We had you know hundreds and hundreds of top contractors there, and and just to kind of give you an indication of how the the industry cares, I guess. You know, Weldon Long and most of most of your listeners or many of your listeners know Weldon. He's a New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur extravaganza, uh, you know, sales training guru, but he's also on the EGIA board of directors. He's a member of the of the board. And at that conference, he gave a, a little overview of the work of the foundation and, uh, you know, what our objectives were and so forth. Talked about the research report a little bit. And then at the end, basically offered to provide anyone in attendance there that contributed any level to the to the foundation, a dollar, twenty dollars, hundred dollars, whatever. That he would uh, provide them with a signed copy of his new book, Consistency Selling, and that, and we were prepared to pass out free copies of the of the foundation research report to anyone. So he finished his presentation, and and we broke for lunch, and there was an absolute outpouring of attendees there that lined up that wanted to contribute, wanted to participate. And within 15 minutes, we raised nearly $10,000 from just those in the room. Right. So, so, you know, contractors get it. They know there's a problem and they're supportive of uh, what we're doing and really are pulling for the foundation to help make a difference. I, that, that was just very, very telling to me. Uh, I was actually blown away at the outpouring of, of enthusiasm around uh, around this. So, you know, with that, I think, you know, we have a we have a fighting chance of of really helping solve this uh, this problem. Well, I've never seen the smile on your face too, how gratified you were at the end. When a show comes off like that cuz there's so much work that goes into it, it's a good feeling when it when it works. It's much better than the alternative. <laughs> a little bit like winning and losing. <laughs> Lucas, would you add anything before we wind this thing down? Uh, no, I think you guys covered a lot of it. I would just reiterate um, what Bruce already mentioned, but go to egiafoundation.org. Uh, go to the website in general and, and kind of look at the work, but go to egiafoundation.org slash report and download a copy of Bridging the HVAC Employment Gap. The information in there is extraordinarily valuable and powerful. I deal with research reports a lot. To find one of this caliber for free is nearly unheard of. Uh, I mean, Bruce, we, we had a conversation early on about what we were going to charge for this just because, I mean, we know what it costs to commission a, serve, uh, yeah. a report like this. And we commission research from a market research firm to do this. So it comes with a high dollar amount, which is why you frequently see these things go for hundreds of dollars. And I mean, Bruce, you know, to get something of this caliber for free is, like I said, it's virtually unheard of. Right. And we, we just wanted to move it out there. We wanted to get it in as many hands as possible uh, because the more people we can get on the same page, the easier it's going to be to solve the, the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you mentioned earlier, it has some really powerful insights. Uh, the data in there is is very valuable, but also some of the conclusions, some of the kind of putting together, piecing together a roadmap to get everybody on the same page. There are strategies in there that we can all kind of start implementing immediately and work together to do so. So it's it's not just a, here's the problem, now go solve it. It's a here's the problem and here's how we can kind of come together and start working together to create these strategies and, and implement them. Well, Bruce, final thoughts before we wind this down? No, thanks. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to discuss these issues and, and uh, you know, talk to your audience. Appreciate it. 
Well, and uh, you're, you're welcome. Thank you for all you're doing for the industry. And I would just add one thing, and not to, to run the risk of embarrassing you, but you're, of all the people I've met in this industry, you're one of the truly good souls. In addition to all the success you've had, you're somebody I genuinely enjoy spending time with. So for that, I'm grateful. Well, and go well, ahead. Likewise, Mark. Um, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. As always, visit egi.org slash podcast to find this episode and an archive of previous episodes, the online form to submit your questions for our mailbag segment, links to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Google Play, and a link to the latest EGI snapshot survey. For more information about EGI membership and joining, which I heartily recommend, visit www.egi.org slash join. I'm Mark Madison. Thanks for letting me play in your We'll see you next time.